Hello, hello, and welcome back to the podcast. This week's episode features a very special guest, a man who financially sponsors this podcast and my entire life so far, my dad, Nak Fon. Personally, I think he is a super interesting person to get to know, but of course I'm biased. And today, I will be asking him some questions I've always wanted to ask him throughout my life and perhaps learn something new about him. So... Father's Day is coming up, and I guess this is my way of recognizing all that he does for my family and more. If you have a dad or a father figure in your family, I encourage you to take the time to ask them some questions. You might learn something new about them, too. The audio might be a little weird for this podcast because we're using the same microphone, by the way. And without further ado, let's head on into our interview. Hope you enjoy. Okay. Hi, Dad. Could you introduce yourself? Uh, well, hey, morning, everybody. I'm, I'm Renee's dad. I think I'm the first guest on this show. Is that right? Yes, because you financially sponsor everything. Oh, is that the reason why? I thought it was the, was the most interesting person you know. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> so, could you talk a little bit about yourself? Like, where are you from? Where did you live growing up? Well, right now, um, I think Renee's already mentioned that um, we live in Singapore, um, working here. I've been here for about 20 years now. I grew up in the U.S., um, in Oregon, um, as a matter of fact. Um, I've lived all over the U.S. in in different places, the Bay Area, New York City. But uh, I'm originally Vietnamese. I was born in Vietnam many, many years ago. But um, we, the family settled in, in the U.S. after the, the Vietnam War. And I pretty much grew up uh, since I was a very young boy in the U.S. But, um, you know, as I mentioned before, we're living in, in Singapore now. Cool. So, Dad, let's talk a little bit about Manifest. What, what have we been watching lately since it's summer break? Oh, uh, we've been watching that show. I think you were the one who... Um, who uh, wanted to play it, and I got sucked in um, because I was just sitting around on the couch. Um, it's a pretty interesting show, I guess. Uh, okay. I, I don't know how long it's been out there, but we're, we've been watching, I guess, season one now. Yeah, um, so Manifest is a TV show where essentially the plot is people go on a plane, and then they experience turbulence, and they when they touch down and they land, they realize that something off has happened, something weird has happened, because the FBI surrounds their plane and then tells them that they've been gone for five years. Yeah, so interesting concept. I was telling you, like, it, it sounds a little bit like a, a lost type of series. Um, I think it was a big series, like, many, many years ago um, about a bunch of people who were stranded on an island um, after a plane crash. Oh, we should watch that. So next up, I have some questions lined up for you, Dad. Why are you named Knack? It was a name that was given to me by my grandfather. Well, the meaning means music in Vietnamese, but um, I think it was from a, a bunch of books of Confucius, if I'm not mistaken. You grew up in the 80s. What was that like? Uh, it was cool. I thought the music was great. Um, obviously... <laughs> you may disagree, but you know, people people had different fashion back then. You know, they had the the preppy look, the punk rock look. I think it was a little bit. Which more, one did you take? Um, I was probably more the preppy mm. kid, um, but I can't say that I was very fashionable, to be quite honest. Um, but I, I think the '80s was a, a great 
time. I think everybody who grew up during that period probably looks on it, looks back on it like with nostalgia. Um, I think there was a lot of optimism that was going on at that time in the, the 80s. Um, different changes. Uh, the economy was doing well for the most part. I think people were optimistic about all the changes with technology and things that were going on. Um, a lot of things that were quite new that you probably looking back were like, oh, that's so ridiculously, you know, simple. And mm -hmm. But back then it was, wow, that's just so, so cool. You know, something like an MTV or something like that. Yeah, so it was a music television channel and like things like that. For us back then was like, wow, this is so cool. We were watching video music at the, you know, but before then was basically just music on the radio or uh, a record player, a cassette tape. So it's something, you know, Interesting. I think the whole media thing was, was really just starting to boom. You were telling me about Air Forces once? Yeah. Fashion in terms of that? Nike Air Forces. I was a kid and I'm like, I think like most other kids, there were people just, you know, were in, you know, they just died to get over, get these things like, you know, Nike Air Forces, which I, you know, just begged my parents to get me a, a pair, um, Nike Air Jordans, things like that. People were, and, you know, fa fashion that you may think are like very retro was really cutting edge back in the 80s. All right. We are recording externally because my software editing is not working okay so now what was it like growing up as a vietnamese immigrant in the united states looking now do you think the treatment towards asians have changed or not well i think right now obviously with the headlines uh, of all the, the i guess asian right Oops. now it's quite it's quite sad so yeah things have changed a little bit not to say that back when I was growing up that that didn't exist, but with social media now and what we have where everybody's a little bit more aware of what's going on, just given that it's easier to get information, it's just come a little bit more to the forefront. But like I said, I'm, I'm you're growing up, I really never you know, encountered much of the, the anti-Asian sentiment growing up. Of course, you run across people who were a little bit more narrow-minded and, and weren't open to, uh, you know, people of, you know, different nationality or, uh, or background. But for the most part, growing up in, in Portland, where I did, I, I didn't encounter it all that much. I also kind of grew up in an, a neighborhood or an area where there were a lot of immigrants from different parts of the world. So it wasn't a case that uh, I felt you know, terribly different from those of the people that I grew up with because there wasn't really a, a, an idea of a homogenous American from, you know, the, the area where I grew up. So, yeah, I, I felt like, you know, I had a great childhood as a, as a you know, Asian American, Vietnamese American for that matter. Growing up, I, I never really felt like anything other than I was, you know, from an Asian background or Vietnamese background, but I happened to be American. Okay. So, like, now do you think it's more exacerbated due to just the modern times? I, I don't think it's more exacerbated. Uh, unfortunately, I think, like, what's going on now with, you know, the, the bad sentiment, I think partly a reflection of, of COVID and some of the, the political environment that's mm -hmm. been, you know, experienced over the last few recent few years. Is it worse now? 
I, it's hard to say from somebody who's really abroad looking in to know what it's like firsthand. But I, I still believe that you know, for the, the the American majority, really are are not. I think believing that the you know that there's different types of Americans out there. I think for the most part, if I you know. I believe that you know most of the the people in in the U.S. are really about being a cohesive, open, and I think I feel like they accept the the differences in the population, and they all believe that they're really one American people despite different backgrounds. Yeah, it's it's weird having the international perspective looking in, and I think. We can say we're both like optimists. I, I would have, I'd say so. I, I, I really do believe that the, the, the better part of the American psyche continues to be optimistic about the future, you know, being a collective, cohesive population. And, and everybody's looking for trying to better themselves without the idea of having to put down, you know, people who are from different backgrounds. And to a more light-hearted question, what made you have an interest in math? Oh, I, I think... <laughs> so I don't, so I don't mean for background a... information, mm-hmm. my dad's a big math guy. Well, I, I think, I, you know, it's not their typical... I'm not the typical stereotype Asian. <laughs> that we're supposed to be, like, you know, good at math. But it just happened to be the case that math came easy for me. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Um... I think the thing that really attracted me to studying math and, and doing it was the, the satisfaction of solving complex problems. I think that's really I, it's a, a joy. Even though you spend you know, a lot of hours thinking about a problem, but once you get to the solution, uh, you know, there's you a, spent, a... You spent hours thinking about a problem? Yeah. I, I think once you get to certain levels of math, it, it doesn't just come easy. It takes a lot of thinking and and really racking your brains in many ways over you know how to approach problems and what tools do I have and I you know you have great respect for those who've gone on and, and you know created new new types of math or you know solve complex problems because you know I think there, there are math problems out there that have taken centuries to, to even solve. And you've had some of the best minds in the world try to attempt them. I think, like, what was it, Fermat's last theorem took, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years to, to solve. I'm completely the opposite. I'm more of a reading history person. Which is, which is perfectly fine. Which is great, um, but obviously math is something if you can find enjoyment from in terms of, you know, not just looking at it from, oh, I got to do this to, you know, finish my homework or something like that. <laughs> but there's joy in the, the process and thinking and, mm-hmm. and actually solving a problem. What's your favorite college memory? Ooh, I, I think the, um, me having my 21st birthday uh, in, while I was in college. It was uh, it was really crazy. Um, so we'll just give three words to the audience who are listening. Um, 
what was that place? TGI Fridays. Yeah. That's the first word. Right? Yeah. And op open bar. Open bar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. 21 would be very interesting. Okay. And so was that your favorite college memory or was that your worst college memory? <laughs> I would say it's one of the few good ones. Um, okay. I don't think I have really bad college memories that I can recall. <gasps> and another word. TGI Fridays, open bar, um, and and just waking up the next day, waking up the on, on the bathroom floor. <laughs> uh, what about what about the table? The table uh, where uh, well a, a destroyed meal for someone. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, um, so I guess looking back, what's your best or biggest advice to high schoolers and college kids? Um, I think my biggest advice is that. You know, learning is something that you continue to do regardless of whether you're in high school or in college. I think I got this advice for basically uh, another, I guess, college memory, but I, I was, it's one of those things where I still remember being a bit hungover during um, commencement speech. What? Yeah, but it was actually, I got something out of it. I mean, it's pretty rare people get anything out of these commencement <laughs> speeches, but... I really remember this, and, and, and it stuck with me throughout the years. Um, and despite being a bit, you know, hungover, being the, <laughs> the last day of school, and you're in your cap and gown and baking in the hot California sun, but um, fair enough. I I remember that the uh, the speaker said that you know that I think it's not that it wasn't a journey's end at commencement, but it was like you're embarking on a lifelong journey of learning. So just keep at it and keep learning uh, whatever you do um, and I think that's the best advice that I can give to to kids especially still going through school because you know I think it's great if you can have the opportunity to study what you love and be and are passionate about and I think that's would be great if you can continue to do that regardless of where you are in life wow dad that was I, I, that was that was that, deep. That's pretty deep for somebody. And I got that from... Uh, from a commencement speech. Yeah. Okay. So, speaking about California heat. California has a lot of land. And there's one thing that I know you like to do above all. Mm -hmm. And that is enjoy the land and hit balls with metal clubs yeah. across this land. Yes. Could you elaborate on that? I think you're referring to my hobby or addiction more like addiction yeah I, I play a lot of golf um i've played a lot of golf since i was a, a young kid i think i started from like 12 years old or something like that i think growing up in a, a place like oregon where there's a lot of land and a lot of golf courses i picked up the game and, and it's something i'm really passionate about um, and i'm equally as passionate about saying that golf is not a sport i know i have have you changed your mind i have not changed my mind after that shoulder oh swing gosh, really I, I okay it's a different type of sport it's not one of those physically exerting sports that you run up and down a court or something like that like in basketball or or a field like in in soccer where you exert yourself physically but i think there's a there's an aspect of physical um, dimension to golf as well as a, a mental aspect to it as well mental yeah i'm serious it's i think when you especially if you get up to even higher levels of proficiency in golf it, it really becomes the difference between those who are very very successful and those who are just you know average or or, or 
you know, competent is really between the head. And, and I think if you, you read a lot about golf and, and the mental aspect of the game, you, you, you really do realize that it's, it's part of it is, you know, your confidence and your, the way you approach it and the way you think about it. I, I enjoy it. I think for me, it's, it's something about being out in nature and there's a serenity and peacefulness about golf, but then there's all of, there's, it's there's... so multi-textured for me. Like there's the trying to be competent and reading the green. Yeah. A lot of things like that sort of things, but there, it's a, it's an interesting thing that I think I can never really get tired of. Um, because there's just so many different parts of it that are interesting to me. So, with that being said, I would just ask this one time and one time only. What is the problem with my golf swing? Oh, your golf swing. <laughs> uh, I think you've had this problem since you were little. Oh, that video that I had? When yeah, I when was... I started to start, you know, I, I had you in training, so with the hope that someday you'll become some great golfer at the age of eight, but I think you pretty I, I, much quit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I gave up hope on that. that until... It's okay, I started back up again. There's hope, there's hope. <laughs> there's hope, but I, I think the idea of you becoming a, you know, a... A professional college <laughs> golfer. Yeah, that's out the window, I, I'm pretty sure it's... <laughs> but that's okay, you're doing well. But if I had to critique your swing, I think the biggest problem for you is that the way you shift your weight, I think the... the <laughs> You're, you're, you're playing, I know you're left-handed, but you actually are playing golf right-handed. What can I say? It's, it's, a, it's, it's just talent, Dad. Yeah, you're, you're, you're very uh, talented, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I, athletic, I wasn't going to go that far, but... Uh. He, he was rolling his eyes when he said that, by the way. <laughs> Anyhow, so your swing, it's... The problem is, is when you shift your weight to the right side, I think the right side of your body, it tends to be very weak. And so mm -hmm. when you put that weight onto the right side, you actually shift the center of your axis. And so it moves, it actually sways to the, to the right. And therefore your swing can't be very consistent when you go and hit the ball because sometimes it's, the club hits behind the ball a lot. Mm -hmm. And because of that problem that you're not really rotating, but you're actually swaying. I think we should wrap up just a little bit. I have one question about your favorite funny story about me because i think uh my my entire life can just be summarized in As a comedy one, show one big joke <laughs> <laughs> hey hey that's so mean dad that's okay anyhow um I, you can edit this if you don't want to share it but mm -hmm. it's, it's not right really like pg if i had to like what are you alluding to oh okay <laughs> You definitely probably might want to consider editing this, <laughs> but I'll share it. Renee, as a young girl, yeah. really, really disliked going to the bathroom. She just avoided at all costs having to go to the toilet. Um, Jeez, and, and so we were on this long trip um, mm -hmm. into the, the coast uh, in, in um, Oregon. Mm -hmm. um, She's, I think, eight or something like that. We, we finally arrive at the, the beach house. She just couldn't hold it anymore. And so she, she found the, the, the beach house bathroom. And <laughs> I think, I don't know how many days she had not gone. It just, it had just had to go out. It had to come. She, she proceeded to go to the bathroom. Oh and, and like, if you can imagine something that's been backed up for a few days. <laughs> 
she she did her thing and and it was so big that the toilet could not actually get it through <laughs> to shorten the story she's like what am i supposed to do so she calls in dad and dad to the rescue and i'm like what the heck is that <laughs> anyways i figure that i you know it's obviously a rental that is not our place and i better do something and so being the kid who grew up in you know the pacific northwest and out in the woods and that sort of thing i ran outside and i found a big giant stick i proceeded to get the stick and go back and using the stick as a plunger oh my gosh <laughs> and that was that is the, the most, most hilarious story that i have about renee that kind of <laughs> I don't know, over the years, she's, she's got a mind of her own and she sticks to whatever she, <laughs> she's, she, she likes to do. It works. You know, our family philosophy is um, go with the flow, I guess. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to say Sometimes Sometimes the flow doesn't really actually flow so well. My mom's just sitting right here, like grossed out listening to this. So we'd like to apologize in advance if you felt grossed out too. Um, with that being said, thank you for tuning in. Thanks, Dad, for coming on as our first guest. Okay, I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, happy to share. Happy to share. <laughs> and so with that being said, let's talk later.